Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. It's time for two nerdskis and a podcast! Okay, we are live, and uh, all right. Welcome, everybody, to the second installment of the show. Um, of course, I this is yourself, myself, and I, Eric, and I've got my partner in crime, Jeff, here. However, right. this time, uh, you know the show. It's called Two Nerdskies and Podcasts. Today, however, we're joined by a very special guest, uh, and this is only the second episode, too, so it's a very special guest. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself for us? Oh, hi guys. I'm uh, Josh B. Um, thank you for having me here, Eric and Jeff. This is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I'm glad to be here. Um, love to, yeah. Love to hear it, man. Yeah, love to have you. So, Josh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Uh, I'm uh, 26, and I currently live in Canada. Uh, what, um, what part of Canada do you live in? Um, that part I'm a little fuzzy on. I think... Uh, um, that, um, I'm, I'm a fuzzy on that part. Okay, <laughs> that's fair enough. Fair enough. But you do live in the great white north that is Canada. All right. Um, sweet. Well, um, jo- uh, Josh, I'm really happy that you're able to join us. We had a little bit of technical difficulties getting this set up today, but um, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about um, what I like to call, or rather what Red Letter Media likes to call, uh, one of the most awesomest movies ever made, and it is Tremors. So, um, all right, let's get started on Tremors, shall we? So, uh, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about Tremors? Uh, so, Tremors came out in 1990, and it was produced on a budget of about $11 million, and it starred uh, the one and only Monsieur Kevin Bacon. Uh, had Fred Ward, from uh, uh, who also starred in Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, which I just <laughs> I forgot which, about that, which I just recently saw, and it's incredible. <laughs> and uh, you know, you got Michael Gross, you got uh, you got Reba McIntyre, you got Finn Carter. You know, it good little cast in there. Extraordinary. You also have, uh, you also have Victor Wong. He plays Chang in the movie, but we'll get a little bit into that. But just a little side note: I remember Victor. I mean, most people remember Victor Wong from uh, most of John Carpenter's movies. I remember That's right. Him from, I remember him from the Three Ninjas series. Yeah. <laughs> you also have uh, Ariana Richards of Jurassic Park fame. That's right. Who would have thought that the little girl from uh, Jurassic Park ended up fighting giant worms in the sand first and then went up being chased by dinosaurs? What an interesting childhood. I know, right? And what? <laughs> she's a, she's an artist now, though, right? Yeah, no, like I've, I've seen her work and it's solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen any of her artwork, though, so I'd have to check it out. But So anyways, what is the basic plot of Tremors? Uh, so Tremors follows two, uh, no better way to put it, losers, who <laughs> who are essentially handymen in this uh, shithole town in the middle of the desert. Uh, probably about population 13 or something like that. I think it's and, 14. 14, that's right. And one day... 
after after they just hit their low point of having a septic tank blow shit all over them, Val and Earl just decide they want to get the hell out of this town. But it just just so happens to be the one day where these giant underground monsters start emerging from under the ground and cut off every every uh, every possible route out of town. So now they have to basically band together with the town residents and find a way to survive essentially from these giant underground monsters. That's the that's as, that's as bare basic as a premise as as I can offer because in all honesty, you have to see the movie. It's it it, it is definitely a movie that is very unique for what it is. I mean, it's more than just a monster movie. It's it's a comedy as well. It's kind it's a, of an adventure film as well. It's um, it, it's a western. It's a comedy. It's Oh a yeah, horror. it's definitely very much a western. Yeah, especially given the locale of the movie. Um, uh, real quick, so I want to start with you, Josh. Um, how did you come across this film? Like, how did, what, where did you come across Tremors? Well, I recall this moment very well. Uh, I can't remember how old I was specifically, but I do remember the de- details. My mother and my sister and I were just coming home from uh, Bayshore or Mall. Uh, the TV was uh, was on and my sister said uh, oh i want to watch this movie called tremors and little me said tremors what's that and then she introduced me to the movie and then here we are um i have a similar kind of uh discovery with the film too much like in the way of josh so i think my dad also was like i mean my dad was constantly watching tv a lot and so um, he came across, I think it was just what uh, channel surfing. And I forget what station it was. It was playing Tremors, but he uh, Tremors was on. And I was like, what's going on here? Uh, I didn't remember too much about it, but I just knew it was a movie that existed. And for the longest time, I didn't really like give much notice to it. And then Jeff here uh, reintroduced the movie to me. And um, as a result, uh, me and Jeff end up and Josh, too, we end up quoting the movie quite a bit. Because there's a lot of memorable quotes in this film. Uh, We're victims of circumstance. (laughs) God damn it. I knew you were going to say some shit already. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, for me, definitely it was the TV route. Um, I know I've heard Jeff's story about how he came across it. And uh, so, Jeff, how exactly did you come across Tremors? In the most organic possible way that anyone could discover a cheesy monster movie in the early 2000s. I rented it from my local blockbuster video. <laughs> and it was uh, like on VHS. So that, that fact I'm very proud of. And uh, when it came to uh, you know just looking at the cover, I didn't really know what to expect from it. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I just figured, you know, looking at the poster, I just assumed that's what the monster looked like. Mm-hmm. And when it turned out to be, you know, not that, just, uh, just only in, uh, an element of the creature, that absolutely blew my mind. And mm-hmm. I just found myself getting uh, so into, uh, I found myself rooting for the characters, which, uh, which you know, because uh, I was probably about six or seven when I first saw this movie. Mm-hmm. And... And uh, most of the time, I'm just waiting. I'm just like putting up with the dialogue and just waiting for for the monsters to show up. But this was like the first, uh, probably the first creature feature that I can recall where I was actually having a great time just watching the characters interact with each other. Right. And and so that that was definitely a first for me, uh, coming to the realization that a monster movie could actually be much more than just uh, than just a 
uh, pretty much like a, a, a spectacle for uh, for a bunch of cool special effects and uh, you know creatures and everything. Mm-hmm. And so it uh, then you know I ended up renting you know Tremors two and then Tremors three and uh, I just rented I rented those movies over and over and over again and it's uh, they've always just stuck with me. Yeah, it's it's interesting with Tremors. Um, you mentioned home video because initially the movie didn't do so well in theaters, correct? I I think it barely scraped by, uh, and that. And I think um, when it actually came on to uh, when it actually was released on a home video, mm-hmm. uh, actually through rentals exclusively, uh, pretty sure it uh, it tripled uh, tripled its profit. Yeah, because I'm because and then of course um, it gets um, it gets a new life on television as well with repeat like reruns uh, being aired on like whatever channel was airing it at the time so this movie ended up becoming like a major cult classic too and this was also a film that um ironically supposedly was supposed to be the end of kevin bacon's career um also who would have thought that this movie would end up saving his career in the process honestly yeah yeah like and it's uh, i always find it so so funny that uh uh that's you know he always considered this a low point of uh, the low point of his career and mm-hmm. then uh and then all these years later, you know, actually tried to to revive Tremors. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. like we'll we'll like we'll we'll definitely talk about uh, talk about that on a on a future episode. But uh, I think the fact that he even produced that show showed that uh, you know, looking back, you know, that he's you know matured much more as an actor. That he he was actually respecting his roots. And so, mm. uh, yeah, like I'm I'm just gushing about Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I mean, as we should. Ironically, so by the way, um, our previous episode we talked about um, we talked about the the movie Footloose and how it compares to the, and how the remake compares to it. Ironic that we have a trend of talking about Kevin Bacon. We can't seem to escape from Kevin fucking Bacon, can well, we? You know, like well, Gamora said, we're just like Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Wait, who said that? Like Gamora did in the first Guardians movie. Oh. Ah. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah, because uh, oh, that's right. Star Wars, Star Lord really loves Footloose. <laughs> it's fu- it's funny too because in uh, in Infinity War, he's like, a, "Is it still considered the greatest movie ever made?" And Spider Man's like, "It never was." <laughs> or like, and Kevin Bacon, yet, is he an Avenger? I don't yeah, know. he never was. <laughs> um, but I mean, speaking of Kevin Bacon, so let's talk about the rest of the cast. So I mean, obviously you have Fred Ward playing uh, Val. I mean, no, he's playing. Oh God, no, <laughs> no. Val is Kevin Bacon, and Earl is Fred Ward. Um, Fred, Fred Ward is an underrated gem of an actor. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? You know a little bit more about uh, Fred Ward than I do. So Fred Ward is—he's uh, always just one of those uh, those great gruff character actors. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's like whenever you see him in a role, he always he always manages manages to to leave an impression. I mean, I mean, hell, he was like the main villain in Naked Gun Three, and he killed it. <laughs> and because uh, he's a uh, he's he's one of those actors that uh, you know you put him in a ridiculous scenario, and he he can always maintain a sense of seriousness. And he uh, <laughs> like he carries that on into into Tremors too, which uh, I, I don't I don't think you've seen Eric. Which uh, like I've no, had- I haven't. So like unlike you guys, so. My only experience outside of Tremors in terms of the franchise, I've seen the fifth sequel, and that's about 
it. I mean, I know there are definitely sequels following this film. Um, so wait, uh, by the so, way, so Bloodlines uh, or Cold Day in Hell? Uh, Bloodlines. That's number five, right? Yes. Yeah. So I've seen that one. Um, uh, by the way, I just want to make a quick mention. I, so I was so I was watching the movie. Like, there's a note. So as they're getting ready to go uh, to Bixby, like on horseback, so Val just goes like, "Who knows? Maybe these suckers could fly." Foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing. <laughs> complete foreshadowing. Especially um, given what, they, but they don't show up until like what the fifth or no the second or third movie. Third they actually movie. start flying in the third movie. Third. Okay. All right. But um, we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves there. But um, so um, we also have the excellent Michael Gross. By the way, who would have thought that his character would be the one to carry the franchise for the remainder of the franchise? And I mean, it kind of no, no. makes sense a little bit too, given that he is a survivalist. It, yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, but the yeah, part but... that makes it more funny is that he started out on Family Matters as a father, and he goes from comedy yeah. to this. Uh huh. Actually, what's uh, uh, I think the uh, interesting piece of trivia that uh, the day after he finished filming the finale of that show, very next day starts shooting Tremors. Yeah, that's what I heard. I, I was gonna bring that up. I found it just ironic that he went from one he went from like one sort of like good, well known show. I didn't watch Family Ties, so I'm not too familiar with it. But he went from that to like spearheading eventually. Uh, a little monster franchise, if you will. Uh, uh, it, just, it's just, just ironic, you know. Just shows what a badass he, he mm. truly is. <laughs> and then um, we have Finn Carter. She plays Rhonda. She's the geolot. Uh, no, seismologist. <laughs> then again, Val and Earl also make that comment. She was like, what's she? Geology. Doing? Geologist. No, she's more a seismologist. Um, uh, I have here in my notes that apparently if you're some sort of scientist, then everyone goes to you for all questions because everyone goes to her for all questions. And she's like, what the hell am I supposed to know? I don't know everything. You're a scientist, aren't you? Uh-huh. Fun fact. So, I mean, uh, I just, so I found out a little bit today that, uh, <laughs> have you seen Finn Carter by any chance? Yeah. I unfortunately have. I, yeah, she, I mean, yeah, she, uh, I, I wish, has, I, I wish her the very best. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's had some pretty bad run-ins with the law. So it's kind of sad. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of that's a little awkward there to say the least. But um, but we still have a. I always you know I find it fascinating that this was so Reba McIntyre she plays Heather who is uh, Bert's wife uh, Michael Gross's character um, and apparently this was her first acting role I think or maybe at least her first feature film and uh, it was I yeah to, I have to say she doesn't do too bad in this movie I, I did like her a bit. yeah no um, like I, I she's honestly, totally believable. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I mean, so I mean, so that's basically kind of our cast. We we briefly mentioned Ariana Richards and Victor Wong, but um, so overall, so how do we all feel about this movie? I'm pretty sure. I mean, this is we're still pretty on early on, but pretty sure we all agree that this is indeed a pretty damn good movie. Am I correct? Yes. Josh, you okay there? <laughs> Drift to Josh. You still with us, buddy? Josh, can you hear us? You're right, Josh? Yeah, sorry, I just had to go to the bathroom. Oh, oh. you're good, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, I we'll told... cut that. 
we'll cut that audio then. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, but no, Josh, we were just asking. So, uh, how do you feel about this movie overall? Like, uh, we pretty much agreed that this is pretty much one of the greatest, awesomest movies, one of the greatest, awesomest movies ever made. Do you agree with that sentiment? Absolutely. <laughs> well, it is perfection after, or near perfection after all. Um, I... So. <laughs> I mean, on a te- I mean, let's seriously talk about it because on a technical level, this movie is actually pretty damn good. Um, Absolutely, it's uh, it was essentially, uh, you know, one of the last movies that comes to mind to use entire practical effects. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there is one, there is like one shot in the movie that doesn't quite work, but um, but we'll get to that part. But um, but yeah, no, I think this movie technically on a technical matter God, i keep repeating myself but on that matter alone i think just perfectly works because it uses pretty much kind of every trick in the book oh in yeah terms of like, absolutely in terms of like 80s and 90s like effects this is definitely predating cgi so there is no cgi at this point did they use cgi in tremors 2 by any chance uh oh yes they uh, uh for for a few shots but they use it very sparingly mm-hmm. so i mean yeah, so, so technically, yeah, this is a really well-done movie. Um, I like how they kind of use... They use a pretty good amount of foreshadowing, I feel like, in this movie, too. So um, in Chang's... Um, is it a convenience store or just a market store? Um, I think it's both. It's pretty both. much, okay. yeah. That's fair enough. So, like, there's a good, clever bit of foreshadowing. Because, like, this movie has a pretty... Uh, it, it has great buildup and setup, and one of those great moments is so they have a, what is it? Is a fridge that keeps um, acting up? At yeah, some, like a point. fridge or freezer or something like a that. Freezer, and uh, it makes a lot of noise when it acts up, and so uh, at one so when the creatures eventually try to attack them from the town, and so uh, um, and then it makes off that because no- they're attracted to noise. So when that. Um, so when the fridge goes off, unfortunately, it does attract the attention of the graboids, and um, Vic, uh, Chang does eventually bite the dust. By the way, that is a kind of a gruesome way to die for Chang, isn't it? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. I mean, like, what a way to go, though. I mean, that's a pretty cool. Would you say it's a pretty cool movie death? I mean, it's definitely. It's definitely one of the more visible deaths because the other deaths it, it, are a little. It, it definitely is. I mean, it's uh, like uh, I think that uh, that death specifically is uh, just kind of gives uh, like a a really good point blank example of how of a uh, you know just showcasing the practical effects mm-hmm. because, because that's a real like there's a real physical object on hydraulics you know bursting through the floor and really mm-hmm. having the actor in its mouth and it's really moving it's really pulling him under and so the fact uh you know because that's just one of those things that cg can never replicate mm-hmm. and uh you know uh you know even from my uh from my perspective as a young kid seeing that it scared the crap out of me because it's uh it looked real because mm-hmm. because again there was actually something there and and so it, if uh, if anything that uh the practical effects just uh, just make it makes all the difference. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I definitely agree. I what were you gonna the, say, Josh? 
I love did love that jab in the second movie though, when with the with him in the name, like like uh, where they say in the second movie, who named these things graboids? Uh, Walter <laughs> Chang oh. did, and then uh, he named them, and then they ate him. <laughs> uh, that okay, that just reminds me. That just really goes to show. I really need to watch the sequels for you, sure at some point. Yeah, honestly, like I, I think you you would at least really really dig Trevor too. Something tells me I would just because Fred Ward's in it, and Fred Ward I do like actually uh, to an extent. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of his films, but I know I th- no, I think I've seen at least one of his movies, but I just haven't come across. I just don't remember. I forgot yeah. he was in. I forgot he was in uh, Escape from Alcatraz. Was he? Was he really in that movie? Yeah, like that. That's how far his career goes back. Mm, okay. Yeah. No, I just. Yeah, I just don't really recall, man. Ah, oh, man. Uh, but I mean, he's definitely up there in age. That's not to say that's a bad thing. That's just him, though. But uh, <laughs> that's just that. I mean, so Josh, how do you feel about the technical aspects of the film? Like, uh, like how mind bog? I mean, like how mind breaking are they for you? Like, are, like how awesome are they? Well, well, they are amazing. This is at a time when practical effects with CG he was at its highest when they really used it in movies sparingly well. Well, well, to the point where I believed they were re- they were real creatures, like uh, Jurassic, mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, this movie, other movies. They really pull off practical effects beautifully, and they hold up. Mm-hmm. So let's really let's since we're pretty much talking about it, let's talk about the creatures in question, the graboids. So I think it's just interestingly enough um, in doing some research, a little bit of note searching. So these this was originally, if you really think about this, this movie is essentially jaws with giant worms in the sand let's yeah. be honest it truly this is kind of a jaws knockoff but uh, it's Graham. a very unique jaws knockoff it's um, actually funny you say that because that was going to be the title for the movie uh the screenwriters ss wilson and brett maddock came up with the idea for this movie because they were out on a rock one day and they were thinking what if there was something under the ground that was right, keeping yeah. us from getting off and the original mm. title was land sharks until they changed it <laughs> Yeah, actually, they changed it because uh, SNL had already created a sketch for that, like around the time the first Jaws came around. I mean, that sketch actually, is actually pretty funny, by the way. And, and actually, uh, going off of uh, uh, Josh's point right there, uh, I think, uh, I mean, the fact that uh, that one little moment like that, just sitting on a rock and just coming up with a with a what if scenario, led to the creation of of a of a monster franchise that's still technically going on to this day because at the time we're, we're recording this uh tremor seven is uh, is not out yet uh so you know still ongoing and it's uh and i think that's what uh that's what's in a way kind of the beauty of of this first movie is mm-hmm. is the the simplicity because you're not given an explanation for what these uh for what these creatures are you're not given an explanation for where they come from. You know, they uh, all, you know, there's a scene where all the characters, you know, spout out a bunch of theories, but, uh, but, the, uh, but you don't get, you don't get an explanation because, you know, in, in the end, they just have to get a basic idea for what they're going up against and learn how to survive. And it, well, that's, it's interesting to bring that up. Cause I mean, let's go about some of those theories. Um, so I think Earl says I'm voting outer space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, um, actually, yeah, because I think uh, I think while they were writing the script, they kept uh, like uh, that entire exchange was kind of was kind of a joke, uh, a joke at 
uh, to themselves because mm-hmm. they because uh, they were trying to come up with all these explanations like, oh, did they come from a government lab? Are they from outer space? This and that. And then do they predate the pre-fossil age? That kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then when they when they just when they just kind of figured, do we really have to explain it? And when they just kind of said, nah, fuck it. And they, they, they just kind of made it a joke and actually just kind of turned it into one of the funnier scenes of the whole movie. I mean, it's also funny that you mentioned that, too, because I feel like most monster movies have a pretty I mean, they have a I wouldn't say a pretty good explanation, but they tend to have an explanation of where these creatures sort of like came from. And I mean, there's a lot of evidence that I mean, we'll get to that, but there is a lot of definitely a lot of theories that surround the graboids as to where they specifically come from. I think eventually in the sequels, you kind of get an idea maybe they're prehistoric yeah, creatures, like, like, but it doesn't really matter. For the for this for first film's like intentions, it truly doesn't matter. In the end, all that matters is like they hunt by vibration. Um they travel through the ground with like uh this they travel through the ground and um if you make any sort of noise too that's also gonna be a, an issue. Um so it really, in the end, it doesn't truly matter. What matters is, is that they're there and uh, don't make a sound. That's about it. Which is kind of genius, actually, if you really think about it. Um, it is. They don't really spend too much time because you don't really have time to kind of come up with like ideas. You don't have time to like come up with an explanation because it doesn't. It doesn't really drive the plot any further. All that really matters is like these worms are out to get us, and we need to find a way to either escape from them. Or kill them. Yeah, exactly. I and love the way they do that in the first uh, scene on the rock, though, where they're thinking, "Why don't we just make a run for it? We ran them out yesterday." Well, that's not a plan. That's what you do when you when, a, when it fails. <laughs> <laughs> it is true, though, isn't it? Um, by the way, I like. I just so I think I think all three of us definitely recognize that moment. But like, so that's where they first. So the movie starts kind of starts with uh, Kevin Bacon pissing off a cliff and it ends on that same cliff with a Grabloid flying off that cl- same cliff, I think. Can you fly, Is it the same you cliff? sucker? Can you fly, you sucker? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I... Um, so yeah, there's really no true explanation to where these Grabloids come from, but if we had to guess, so I personally believe that they predate the fossil age, that these creatures have just been here and this is the first time we've ever come across them. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think that they're... I mean, what's your favorite theory, essentially, is well, my question. Sadly, the sequels kind of kill theory, so I don't have one. Really? Yeah, same. Do they? Yeah, the uh, the, the sequels, as they go on, they, uh, like, every, uh, every sequel kind of explains uh, a different element of the evolutionary process of the creature... So, so that's uh like as much as i enjoy a majority of the sequels uh they do they do destroy the mystery around the graboid so that's oh, yeah. so so that that's a fundamental flaw with all of them but you know when you're doing a sequel you you have to do you have to expand on the creature creature uh-huh. somehow well how about the design of the creatures because i really you know if you, in all honesty like practically speaking i think the designs look great at least oh, for this it, it, it's a wonderful design like it's it actually looks like something that could have existed that could exist couldn't it yeah yeah because you know it's uh it has like a 
you know, like a, a hardened, uh, a hardened head, you know, so that it's able to, to tunnel through, through all the dirt. It has like the spikes on its side to, to, to cut through, uh, to cut through all the soil and everything. And, uh, with, uh, you know, with, the with the worm tongues and everything, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's a very practical, uh, practically designed creature where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause you know, you see a lot of, uh, if you watch a lot of creature features, you know, it's, uh, a lot of them get carried away, uh, with, with the, with the design, just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, desperately trying to make it stand out in a way. And it just has a lot of useless features, but, uh, everything regarding the graboid, uh, it, it always like every, uh, everything relating to it, uh, to its anatomy always has a practical purpose to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the buildup for the Graboid too. So, um, in the beginning, obviously you, you just see kind of like thing, like something moving in the ground. There is something there. You just don't see it yet. So at first you see that, and then you kind of get like your first glimpse of it with, um, so um, when they're driving to Bixby and you see like the road construction guys, so this guy with his pile driver, he's pile driving and then you hear like an animal screech, like a really painful animal screech. And you see like, what is it? Orange kind of uh, blood kind of oozing out of the ground. Something like that. Yeah. And then you see him get dragged off by the, um, by the cable, whatnot. He's fucking dead. And then his, uh, the other guy's buddy or coworker, he gets like, there's a landslide gets like caused by the disruption and his buddy dies in the process. Um, you see the farmer, he's like the first thing, the first sign of trouble is his sheep are kind of kind of scattering around in the pen or whatnot. And then he gets fucking dragged into the ground. Well, before that you see, uh, the scarecrow kind of like tilting over whatnot. And then you, you get a brief glimpse of it when, um, so when Earl and, when they're first trying to drive away from back to town they get caught into something and then when they arrive um back into town the uh, they notice that there's something wrapped around the truck and you see like this weird tentacle looking creature it's got like teeth and shit there's no eyes though but the, the eyes but the teeth are there and then uh the last people to die before the last people to die is also the first time we see like the true glimpse, uh, like a first real glimpse of the creatures in action. This is the tongues, obviously, or the tentacles. And so they drag the doctor down. Well, no, um, they're generate because the doctor and his wife, they're in, they're new in town. And so the, uh, they're building their house. And so the, the generator is making noise. And so the generator is sucked into the ground and then it's thrown the fuck back out in some pretty fucking awesome fashion, I might add, but that's just me. <laughs> and so the generator is thrown out of the ground and then the doctor's like grabbing the cord for, and he's like, what the hell happened? So he grabs it. And then as he's, you know, patting the ground for uh, the dust away, there's that fucking tentacle. And he's like, Oh shit. And then you realize, and then he has, he's dragged in the ground. His wife runs away. And then she's like, Oh my God, there's multiple tentacles. So we're led to believe at first that um, there are like multiple of these tentacle creatures. It's once Val and Earl finally encounter the Graboid uh, that you fully see what this thing looks like. And you realize this is like an even bigger uh, threat than we thought. Because you, because like you thought that these were just these giant worms. Because 
you know the quote where it's like there must be a million of them it's like no there's just one (laughs) (laughs) and also like I think so. Uh, yeah, the setup for these creatures is great. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like the setup for these creatures is great. It's kind of like how in Jaws, right? Because you know the Bruce the shark, you know, could not work technically right, so they could only use him sparingly. So uh, before he's first officially shown, just the buildup for that creature is great, and I feel like the same could be said here for the graboids. Um, and I think it just works perfectly. Oh, no, Absolutely. I agree, and I think that's what the best movies with suspense do. They don't show the mm-hmm. creature in the beginning, but they do the reveals later on by building it. It's a gradual build-up, too, right? It, yeah, exactly. And I, think it, and I think it works because it makes it more satisfying when you finally see the creature. Because mm-hmm. well, then you're just like, you see like, oh, okay, I think that's what that looks like, and then you see it full, and like, holy shit! <laughs> well, I think uh, uh, kind of... Uh, Kind of going off your point right there. Uh, I think the uh, this is one of the best paced movies in the in the genre. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, because like, because within a, within a half hour, you see, uh, you know, you're you're introduced to the to the setting. You get a great idea for uh, for how the, all the characters are. You get to know Val and Earl pretty well and how their dynamic mm-hmm. works. You already get a couple decent sequences. Uh, you know, building up the suspense and tension of the creature. And oh, absolutely. At, at the half hour mark, you get the full reveal. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't, you don't feel like it, uh, it blew its load too early. You, it's, uh, it, it's, it's all a very natural progression. And it's, uh, the movie's like barely, like barely over 90 minutes long. I was and... going to say, it's not a very long movie. I think it's only about, let's see, it's 96 minutes. I thought it was 97 minutes, but yeah, damn, so, like, close. so it, uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't bog itself down in, in exposition. Every every scene, uh, you know, every scene is relevant. You know, like you're just looking at it from an, from an editing perspective. Like there's there's honestly nothing I would really cut, which is which is honestly like really rare for me to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you how do you feel about that, Josh? Do you also agree that it is that it is pretty paced? Well, oh yeah, I regard. think it's uh, perfectly paced. I mean, we open with our main, main characters. We get some great bits of hilarious dialogue. The build-up is very, very good. We get a few kills, good suspension building, and then by the end of the movie, you're thinking, "Fuck, that was great! I want to see it again." <laughs> it, exactly. It, it's such an easy movie to to rewatch. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I don't think it gets boring anytime too. Like oh, not, not at all. all. No, yeah, because like at no point do you feel like uh, you're like, oh god, when is this movie gonna end? No, it keeps you entertained throughout at a pretty good decent pace. It knows when to ramp uh, the the tension back up, and it knows when to do the funny moments. At least, at least that's what I got out of it. Oh no, I, I, absolutely, man, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to so yeah, going back to the gre- creature itself, yeah. Since we're talking, since we said it again, it is pretty much the buildup for it is perfect. Like I said, um, if, as you heard me say that giant monologue here and there about the buildup, but but no, it is true because you don't really see the creature uh, too much, and by the time you fully see it, it is truly a wonder to be like, oh wow, so much effort was built into that, and it, I think. I think I well I I previously said it, but um, I think the only other monster movie that does that effectively might be Godzilla, and then definitely Jaws. Jaws definitely is the master at building up the reveal of the of the monster. Uh, yeah, I think uh, another uh, one would be uh, Jurassic Park, the first movie. The build up is perfect. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that too. I mean, the difference with that be that one is that you definitely see. I mean, you definitely see the Brontosaurus. Um, you definitely see the Brontosaurus first. There, that's like the first dinosaur shown, and then you don't fully see the draft. You don't fully see the T Rex until um, the, until the T Rex officially until shows an up hour for, into the movie. Yeah, until an hour into the movie, and then the Velociraptors. You see hints of them here and there, and then you fully see them in their entirety until what like the third act yeah the third act yeah so you save the best uh dinosaurs for last whereas like once you get to like the other sequels in jurassic park they're pretty much there almost like maybe what a complete 15 minutes or no not 30 15 minutes maybe 30 45 minutes into the film um and then obviously when you get to jurassic world dear god the dinosaurs are just there in plain view (laughs) um yeah and actually uh uh, I think like a, uh, like when, when you brought up Jaws, kind of made me think that Jaws and Tremors would would be a strangely great double feature. Oh, yeah. it actually would kind of if you think about it, because I mean, like I, like we just said, it is Tremors is essentially a Jaws knockoff. It's just set in you know the desert. It's a western, and you have giant worms instead of a shark. I mean, but, I, would, I mean. I mean, I also wouldn't even say it's it's a Jaws knockoff. It's because uh, it's primarily a tribute to to fifties B movies. I I mean, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, you definitely get that feeling of fifties B movie uh, vibes. But I say I say Jaws knockoff in the sense of cause sense just because of like, all right, so they're a giant. There is like a there are man eating creatures um, like in the area and. Um, they're almost impossible to kill, so you just kind of have to be like, "All right, so what's the next best thing?" Well, we can't do all oh, the shark thing's been done multiple times. How about giant worms in the sand? All right, do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but think, no, that that's where I'm going from oh, from yeah, that I perspective. Think another aspect, if you think about it, is that Jaws and Tremors have one thing in common: most of the lead characters are three males. Like, there's Brody, Quint, and Hooper, and then there's these guys: Bert, Val, and Earl. Well, I would, I mean, Bert definitely is one of the leads, but I would say I mean, in yeah. this case, it would probably be more Rhonda in this. Yeah, at least, at least, at least for the first installment. Cause she's more, um, cause she would definitely, cause Rhonda would definitely be more of the, uh, Brody. No, 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 not like Brody. Brody's who's, wife. No, no. Who's, uh, <laughs> who's, I haven't seen Jaws in a long time. Uh, Ellen Brody. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm thinking of like who's the scientist that Richard Dreyfus plays? Oh, Hooper. Uh, Matt Hooper. Hooper. So, Hooper. so yeah, she's the hoop. She's the Hooper in this movie. Um, and then, if you want to get, if you want to go tentacle, then Bert would definitely be Quint, and then Val and Earl would be a combination of uh, Brody. Yeah, that would probably be the most accurate the best, depiction. Yeah, more accurate depiction or so. But um. By the, so uh, yeah, but the, that would be what I would personally think if we're going technical on a Jaws kind of like comparison or whatnot. Um, do we want to talk about one? Do we want to talk about when the grapplers finally do show up and how how they are very effective as like monsters and whatnot? Because I think once they finally show up to once they finally get to perfection, that's when things really kind of like hit the fan or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, because I, I think what I what I like about it is that uh, you know after uh, after the monster shows up, you know you get the full reveal. As mm-hmm. the movie goes on, you're still learning about it, 
And so it, uh, you know, cause it's not like you're just waiting for the monster and you're like, Oh, there it is. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't care anymore. Cause the first time you see the first time you see a graboid, it dies. And then you think, wait, that this can't, be, this movie can't be over. What are we doing? What are we still doing here? I mean, let's, although let's not forget the greatest line ever, which is a, we killed it. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 and then, and then followed by, Hey, look, I found the ass end. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. Oh, God, I love um, the, I love the quotes in this movie so fucking much. I mean, ever since Jeff reintroduced this movie, Jeff and I have been quoting this movie for days. So I'm like, Rana, did you know anything about this? Oh, oh yeah, sure. sure. Well, everybody knows about him. We just didn't tell just you. Didn't tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you one and then, thing though. Uh, Chang ain't getting slick mitts on this for fifteen bucks. You got oh, that right. <laughs> By the way, I have since since you t- since you. It's funny you brought that up because like every time I see Chang, I'm just thinking Chang is the definition of a capitalist. He's always trying to make a profit off of something. <laughs> I'll give you boys five dollars for this. Twenty. Fifteen. Okay, Ten. Fifteen. Okay, fifteen. Damn right, fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Chang is like the perfect embodiment of a capitalist, at, or, or, or at least what I think a capitalist. I don't know. I'm probably going to get some pretty major slack for that definition. But no, he truly definitely is trying to profit off of this, <laughs> which is ironic in this case, since what happens to him later. I hey, rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> but no, so going back to going back to the graboid. So you think the you think the threat's over, but then you know Rhonda, she's a seismologist. She's like, I've been getting these reads, and I'm telling you right now, there are three more of these. And you're like, oh shit! So then that really amplifies the tension or whatnot, because then you got you got two others, and then you got what we call Stumpy, who is the one that is missing a tentacle because that's the one that um grab their truck Bert, yeah that val and earl uh escaped from initially uh yeah exactly josh so um so then uh you what's also scary is that they learn that they are i mean not only obviously the human characters have to stay on their toes all the time because that's what makes the graboid so unique is that they learn obviously um obviously they reach perfection and uh, they can't reach them at first when they're like not on exact ground, but then um, they find a way to break through the floors. And so they have to get on the roost. But even then they're the graboids are like, all right, we're going to find a way to shake them off the buildings. And so they basically test the, you know, the foundations of the buildings. And that's why poor Nestor has to falls from his trailer and then like gets on a tire tire and then just, you know, bites the dust from there. Good Lord. But that, you know, that just goes to show how great the writing is, or at least the tension is, is that you want, I think the best monster uh, definitely is a monster that definitely, I wouldn't say maybe learns, but also, okay, adapt would probably be the best uh, word to describe it, that the best monster adapts, which leads to, you know, better tension and whatnot. Well, 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 I think also what... uh... I mean, with uh, if you have a, a creature that that excels on, uh, you know, its main threat is its its intelligence. The fact mm-hmm. that it's that's able to to learn, and and the and the only way that uh, to really make that creature as as suspenseful and to really you know to sell it is if you're is if the the characters feel the threat of that creature. 
mm-hmm. and the fact that this movie actually has well written and and uh, for the most part, you know, pretty smart characters, uh, you know, that uh, that actually does add to the it, it adds to the suspense quite a bit. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because you have to you have to see these characters, uh, you know, come up with new scenarios on how to either distract it, how to come up with creative ways on how to kill them with with the limited resources that they have. It's mm-hmm. uh, it always keeps the characters on their toes. It's uh, and it if anything, it amplifies the uh, the intensity of the of the situation because you're uh, uh, because in a way you're uh, because the characters are because the characters are are uh, are portrayed you know smart you're uh it's uh it's are you it, sure about that though <laughs> because for, 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 for the most part my, for the most I part have, i was gonna say because i have here in my notes val and earl can't plan for shit at least val can't <laughs> at least well yeah because it's like because they're, they're technically dumb people like uh you know it, it's like val, val and earl are they're basically average they're they're average handyman it, exactly handyman. They're it, exactly yeah so like, they, like come, they don't really think ahead or plan ahead for the future i mean for god's sakes val's definition of uh his ideal woman is what uh you will have long blonde hair big green eyes world-class breasts ass that won't quit and legs that go all the way up (laughs) so you can definitely see i mean exactly so you you can definitely see how disappointing he is when he first meets Rhonda. he's like Oh, <laughs> Rhonda's cute. I don't know what his she deal is, was. She is. She definitely <laughs> yeah, but, is. But I mean, I, I definitely would. I definitely would ask Rhonda out on a date. But I mean, let's be honest. We all want some sort of <laughs> typical. Yeah. We all want some sort of ideal woman. Tammy but, uh, Lynn Baxter. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, it don't matter. They're all the same. Dead weight. Ooh, I broke a nail. <laughs> But you are right, though, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, because they have to they keep having to think on their toes because eventually they're like, no wonder why Edgar was up there for five for four or five days. They kept they were on the ground <laughs> or what. Exactly. So and, you uh, just so, so, you know, you're right. These characters truly have to, like, think on their toes. They're not like Burn. They're not Burton Heather, who are survivalists who can just shoot anything shoot their way out of a situation oh wait they did <laughs> wait, they broke into the wrong goddamn rec room did they <laughs> let's talk okay so let's talk about this scene i think the rec room scene is by far one of the greatest bits ever put on cinema and so that's um, it should have gotten an oscar want, just for that who scene. wants to set this scene up because i think uh what well, i actually who wants to start first? Because I think it's going to take... Bart, they're under the ground! They're under the ground! <laughs> so, I mean, it's Iconic. so... So, it starts off... So, they start off... This scene starts off with... So, Heather and Bert, they're, you know... They're going back to their place, their bunker or whatnot. And um, they... I guess they're what? What are they doing with the ammo? Are they what? I think it's um, like uh, they're getting back from their hunt and uh, looking for resources. Like getting their ammo back right. together, getting more resources... And then they turn on like that machine that like what shakes their ammo up and whatnot. I'm not exactly yeah. Sure I'm what guessing that, that uh, reloads the ammo or something. I don't know. Mm, with gunpowder, probably of some sort. And so you think so? Um, they got they have some pretty good firearms, but or firepower on them. But you don't realize just how much firepower they have. Hold on, let's wait. Wait off. And so you know th- you think that they're gonna die pretty quickly because they don't have that many guns. And so. When the grapple finally bursts through, you know, 
their basement um you know they just have the rifles and real quickly you're just going oh my god in the distance on the radio and then like you hear the gunfire and then as, and then we go back to them and then there they are they're just firing at it and then they're just kind of standing back and the camera just does a slight pan over and there is a giant wall of guns <laughs> who and it we're not just talking pistols we're talking like assault rifles shotguns uh elephant guns an elephant shotgun, you name it. They, these survive. You thought these are survivalists? They're armed to the teeth for survivalists. Um, yeah. And it also, it's also one of the best technical scenes because this scene uses all the be- all like all the tricks in the book. So, Jeff, you want to describe that real quick? So in uh, yeah, in this scene, you no, know, you get uh, you get like a beautiful blend of uh, you know a full scale animatronics. You get miniatures. You get uh, you get this really great shot of uh, uh, there, there's uh, there's a shot where Bert throws uh, uh, throws one of his guns to the ground and then uh, you, you see the you see the uh, you get a shot of the camera looking down at the gun on the floor and then mm-hmm. it uh, uh, so it's like so you get a full scale gun then it uh, it seamlessly fa- fades into a miniature gun and then it uh, pans over uh, pans over to the right and then it cuts uh, and then it's it's showing the the miniature. Uh, miniature graboid you know lunging forward and it's all done in one shot but it's secondly it's it's, a, it's two different shots cut together but it's that's been it's, blended it, in pretty seamlessly it, so it's, it's kind it's of absolutely hard to tell. yeah it's absolutely seamless like unless you're like if you really pay attention you can kind of notice the change in lighting but again like that that's if you're really looking for, uh, for- i was when i was watching that scene i was kind of trying to because i'm an editor um because that's what i, I kind of went to school for editing uh, well that was part of my degree when I was in film school, but um, I was trying to see the edit. I couldn't quite tell where they kind of cut it. Where do you think they cut it? So I think, I think they cut it right as they're about to pan over. Oh yeah. So it's a, it's a, like a, as soon as you see the gun hit the floor, uh, if you look extremely closely, you can see a mild change in lighting and, and, uh, and I did in, see that. Yeah. yeah. So in that moment, that's when it's the the miniature gun and it's panning over to the to, uh, to the miniature graboid. Mm-hmm. So it's so again it's it's done seamlessly and because again like there it, is there is one shot in the entire sequence that doesn't quite exactly work and that's that's Bert. So you see Bert from behind shooting at the graboid and you can kind of tell it's. I wouldn't say it's. Is it? Would you say? Because I don't it, know if this it, was green screen. Is it rotoscoping? It, it might. It might be blue screen. I. I don't know. But it. it even as a kid, I. I knew that that looked pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's. It's like one. It's one shot that lasts for about three seconds. So I. I oh I, yeah, I, it doesn't last for very long. But even then, you're just like, okay, this kind of seems seems off. One thing I want to note too, and I don't think a lot of people touch upon in that same, in that same three second shot. I don't even think that's Michael Gross. I think they got a stuntman for that. At yes. least that's just me. So it, yeah, for for all I know, it it could have just been like a, a pickup reshoot mm-hmm. reshoot shot that they or just you know random insert that they that they wanted to get in there and it. For all I know, like it it, it could have been extremely last minute and just kind of slapped together. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was just fascinating. That, uh, I just for me, I've always thought this was just the sequence alone was great for everything you all both of you have mentioned like just the perfect seamless bit of like everything in the book. So you, like you said, the miniatures, the animatronics, um, that editing, that editing transition from, 
uh, life size to uh, miniature to fit the the puppetry of the graboid going up and down and whatnot. I thought it was great. It, they it also was have wonderful. reverse. They also have reverse. Uh, I, we forgot to mention this, but like there's reverse photography in this movie. Um, so if you don't know what that is, they basically just rewind the footage back a bit just to um, uh, make the shot work. So like um, for the graboids when they're extending their tentacles. What they're really doing is like the tentacles are just shrinking out because they don't really have the um, ability to shoot out right uh, like that. So they have to do so they basically reverse the shot essentially. Well, they have to shoot it backwards, and so when they put it in the editing booth um, or in the editing room, uh, it's brought forward to give it that effect. Well, I think uh, I think uh, which I think works. Well, I think after that uh, uh, that uh, that shot of uh, you know after Bert. Uh, first shoots it or uh so after heather shoots uh uh shoots uh one uh one of the tongues off and it's uh it's a uh, it bashes its head on the ceiling in that mm. shot it it's a fucking hand puppet yeah it that is a hand oh yeah that's definitely a hand puppet i think you know um I, speaking of hand puppets i think the other hand puppet that shows up um is when we first see like one of the tentacles in action and that's when like the doctor and his wife die so like yeah when he that's i think that's also a hand it, puppet. It, it's gotta be and but yeah. but again like like this movie only had a budget of 11 million dollars and it looks like it could have been made for for double that like oh like yeah the, like, absolutely like, like the the effects department did a wonderful job oh yeah absolutely because I, I think yeah there's no way that this movie um yeah there's no way this movie um looks like it is that cheap i mean it is incredible how well shot and well like budgeted this movie was because you can't tell absolutely that this is a movie made for you said 11 million right 11 million yeah and and i think uh you know ron underwood the director i think mm-hmm. uh he came from uh you know a background of like of, special effects right I, I think even just like uh like making uh some documentaries or something uh mm-hmm. you know so so nothing nothing of this scale really and when it's uh uh, and so when it came to, you know, film, uh, tackling a concept like Tremors, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a special effects heavy creature feature oh, yeah. with, uh, you know, with starring a, a technically reluctant actor. And it, it's just one of those lightning in a bottle movies where it's, uh, it was, it was just, it was the right writers. It was, it was the right director. It was the right effects team. It was the right casting. And everything just came together so perfectly that it's uh, like for as much as I enjoy a majority of the sequels because part six is fucking garbage. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, uh, it, it it's, it's just one of those movies that uh, uh, you know I, I would I would say it's like it's like Jaws or Ghostbusters. Uh, just the these movies that every everything that every everyone involved just did such a wonderful job and mm-hmm. it's uh uh just, yeah just i wouldn't change a thing about it oh yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, yeah no absolutely i mean what do you think josh how do you feel about the tentacle aspects of the film well i think the tentacle aspect act is very 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 good i mean uh, when i first saw those tentacle tongue things i really thought that, is that the creature i mean i was a little kid so i was kind of stupid and so but then i saw them, what they really looked like and i thought oh okay and I especially love how they, they say, well, these must be like the little snake tongue things. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
You know, I just realized, because um, when you, if you really think about it, because if you look at a tr uh, poster for Tremors, you don't see the full, um, you know, the full graboid head. You see like one of the tentacle uh, heads pointing out of the ground. By the way, the poster for Tremors, doesn't it kind of look like the Jaws poster? <laughs> it, it totally does. But oh, yeah. So I, see, I, there's I, another I love, connection love, to Jaws love, right there. I love the Tremors poster. Like that, that's absolutely one of my favorite posters ever. Oh yeah, and I love that tagline. Like it's not what's what beneath the sun; it's under the ground or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I haven't really paid attention to that poster, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm serious. That poster, uh, it's a definite homage to Jaws for just going again talking about Jaws. Oh my gosh, definitely we're going to be talking about Jaws at some point. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Josh, aren't you like a big fan of Jaws? Like that's one of your favorite movies of all time? Absolutely. Remind me to bring you back for that episode. <laughs> um, so yeah, so overall, um, what are our final thoughts on Tremors? Uh, so for me, Tremors, it's it's always been one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's it's kind of, it's aged like a fine wine, I would say. It's uh, the older I've gotten and, you know, just the more I've learned about filmmaking and screenwriting and just how to construct a movie overall. It's made me appreciate the movie so much more because I used to just take it at entertainment value and just have a great time with it. But mm -hmm. just taking a closer look at how this movie was constructed from a technical aspect, from the writing perspective and just uh, just pretty much everything from a from a filmmaking perspective, it it made me just realize that. It's this is just a good movie, just a really fucking good movie, and everything that it set out to do, it it accomplished it perfectly. Like it's mm -hmm. like when it when it wants to be when it wants to capture the vibe of a, of a western, it does that very well. When it wants to be scary, it's it can be pretty suspenseful at times. When it wants to be funny, it's fucking hilarious. When it wants to have a sense of mystery and intrigue, it does that perfectly. Like everything that. It sets out to do in its script. It, uh, it it achieves it 100%. And I I have tremendous respect for this movie. I think uh, Ron Underwood directed a phenomenal movie, and I think he deserves a lot more credit for this movie. Uh, Kevin Bacon is wonderful. Fred Ward, Michael Gross, uh, Finn Carter, everyone involved. You know, Studio ADI who did the special effects. Everyone should be applauded for for this movie and. I, I would say in a way that this movie doesn't really get the full credit it deserves. Like people know about Tremors, but it, but I don't think it gets it just doesn't get enough recognition. In yeah, the long run. yeah. I don't I don't think it gets the uh, the proper level of attention and praise that it, it truly deserves. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, what about you, Josh? What are your overall thoughts about uh, Tremors? Uh, everything you guys said, I pretty much agree because this is one of the best movies I think I've ever seen. I mean, it came out in 1990, and it and it holds up really, really, really well. well Absolutely, it's a it's an A plus, ten out of ten for me. It's a great movie. It's a masterpiece. I would watch it forever, I, and I could. Yeah, it's funny for me. So, like, Tremors is one of those movies where it's like I said before, where like i had known about it maybe it came across it once or twice on tv i just never really watched it and then once jeff finally got me around to watching it then i was like this is a lot of fun and so 
Um, as a result, because of this, as you probably have heard, uh, we endlessly quote this movie. Um, but if we're going on just overall on Tremors, I just feel like this is a perfect, it is a perfect blend of a lot of things. It's a, it's a great Western. It's a great, um, comedy. It's a great monster movie. It's a great blend of practical effects of the time and a great blend of, uh, pacing and characters like the characters are i mean the characters aren't i wouldn't say they're like extremely memorable film characters but they're definitely characters that you won't forget at the end of the day um like for example definitely val and earl like the camaraderie alone between those two is something that i think we all can relate on some sort because we definitely like know that we either have those friendships with people or we know people who have those kind of like bonds with them so in the end i feel like this is a movie where um it just works on a lot of levels and it's just a it's just a fun time it truly is because there's nothing at no point like i said earlier there at no point while you're watching this movie do you think you're bored like you're fully like entertained and you truly think that um gosh uh this is just a, a wild run to uh, round one. Ah, fudge. I can't speak. <laughs> you get the idea, but no, it's just, uh, there's just, this movie is pretty magical for what it is. And I truly think that, um, red letter media, specifically my Gloska got it right. That this is by far one of the most awesomest movies, uh, ever made. And I think everyone should definitely check it out. Um, definitely. Um, if definitely, if you don't, if you want to own, add a movie to your collection this is definitely one to add and um absolutely i still obviously i still haven't watched the sequels and so yeah that's kind of it so i just want to mention brief pretty briefly so we did mention that tremor 7 is coming up um in october's and so what you have just listened to is the first installment of our tremor series so um we're going to be coming back every once in a while before october to talk about uh, every installment of Tremors. We're even going to discuss the TV series that uh, aired from... what? When did that TV series first air? It was in uh, early, early 2003. Okay, so yeah. And then from there, we'll also discuss the pilot that was shot but never ultimately released and how sci-fi... Um, Fucked it know. over. Yeah, pretty much. And so we encourage everyone, you know, just to, you know, stick around. We'll definitely be coming back to these, uh, definitely coming back to a little town in perfection and the wonderful world of Graboids. Tremors, be mindful of where you step. (laughs) So I guess that's going to do it for us for this little installment of the show. So um, for those of us listening, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Definitely. Follow us on all social platforms. I don't have social. That's not true. I do. But um, <laughs> you're just going to have to uh, just be patient. And uh, here we are. Uh, we like to thank Josh for joining us. Uh, really thank you, Josh. appreciate you coming on on the show. Oh, and thank you guys um, for having me. I was thank happy you f- to be here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. And thank you for your input. Uh, definitely uh, adds a different uh, perspective to things. So we definitely appreciate you coming on here. So um, from all of us here, uh, this is Eric. This is Jeff. This is Josh. All right. And this has been Two Nerds and a Podcast. So from all of us here, see you around. And uh, and remember, good luck, shitheads.
Don't worry about us, jerkwats. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take it easy and have a good time.